Hello and welcome to the Domestic Game Podcast where we bring you the insights and stories all things American football here in Ireland. On this week's episode, I am flying solo as neither Caddy or Joe can manage to join me. But still, we are in for an action-packed episode as we cover both the Division 1 and the Division 2 bogey. Later in the show, I'll be joined by Westmeath Mentors head coach Bill Doherty and Division 1 MVP Andrew Patton. However, before we get down to that, it doesn't matter the Division 2 bowl game. On today's episode, we have got a very special guest and friend of the show, and someone who's done a lot of work behind the scenes, especially in the Shamrock Bowl episode. You know him as Tony Rogers, I know him as number 58 from the Antrim Jets. Today's episode, we are going to cover the Antrim Jets and their meteoric rise to winning this year's Division 2 title. Tony, Delighted to have you here on the show. If you want to just give a quick introduction about yourself and we'll get straight down to it. Yeah, sure, Robbie. Thanks for having us on first and foremost. Nice to see you and uh, nice to talk to everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm Tony Rogers. Um, I play for the Antrim Jets. Um, I've been at the club since 2018. I think the Jets played their first season 2017. And uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And obviously last season was just epic. So... Like I said, last season was epic. The Jets, a relatively new club. We'll get talking about the final a little bit later on. But as someone who's been there with the Jets sort of from year one and its completion, how have you seen the club sort of transform into what it what it is in its sort of current state, current division two uh, title winners? Now the next season going to be playing in division one. You know, we've seen sort of a lot of clubs at the lower levels struggle for numbers. But this year with the Jets, that did not seem to be a problem. No, well, like I say, when I joined in 2018, the club had already been running for a little while. So it felt like I missed all of the the very the first year and for maybe first year and a half or two years, whatever. But whenever I arrived, I was really impressed from the very outset of how well organized everything was, how good the equipment was, how well organized training was and stuff like that. So I kind of just walked into it and I was already really impressed. And from all the time I've been there, it's just been growing that little bit. It's not nothing crazy speed, but just new pieces of equipment, you know, uh, different drills, a bit more thought out in the, the practices, like some good scrimmage sometimes when we get the numbers. Um, and things have always been good. I've always been impressed with how things have been ran there. So I, I think the, the foundations were in place very early on. And uh, what happened at the end of the season by winning the bowl, I think that's just a culmination of a lot of hard work and effort. Uh, that's been put in for a very long time. Like um, Neil Adams started the Jets, I think, um, back back in the day. And um, he's still working with the O-line and training. We've got Donald and Jerry, who are excellent men, first and foremost, and great guys and nice to be around. And uh, they put a lot of work in behind the scenes. They're the head coaches. Um, and then Curtis McLeish, I think he needs a shout out for um, for his work as well. He's a great player, but he's a, he's been the D-line coach. And uh, you guys know all about uh, the Under Jets D-line in particular this season. Uh, had some amazing stats, loads of shutouts, and uh, he obviously even conceded in the bowl game. So uh, we've got a great team there behind the scenes who who are passionate, who who work for free. Nobody's making any money off anything. It's all about passion and commitment and just and enjoying it. And uh, the Jets are a big part of that those guys' lives, uh, especially because they put a lot of work in behind the scenes. Yeah, you're uh, you're talking about that D line having come up against them three times this season. Uh, they are not nice men, so I'm going to put that out there. Glad to be done with them for this season. <laughs> well, I mean, I am one of those men, but I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> because yeah, I'm uh, I'm I wouldn't say I'm not uh, I don't I'm not on the on the starting four. To be fair, that you're you're talking about the starting four are mean mean machines. Uh, when when one of them gets hurt for a little minute or needs a breather. Uh, that's when you'll see the big fifty-eight coming in just to to do what he can there for a few minutes, and uh, and then we'll get the the head the the lead guys back on again. Uh, but so it, they're they're great they're great guys, and uh, they're fierce to play against in training. Like it's it's brutal playing sometimes. Um, training with that D line, it is it's pretty tough. Me at my age as well, them young lads. Uh, but yeah, they're 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 great. They're great at what they do, and they're they're very aggressive and very slippery and very hard to defend against. And uh, a lot of teams find out the hard way. Yeah, I know, as Kelly often says in the show, iron sharpens iron. So coming up against those kind of guys in training, everyone is just going to be made better and better. And like we've been saying, you know, it all culminated in the, the final game this season. But we're going to take a quick step back before that. So 
before this season, we had two years, which for many teams were kind of a write-off. COVID, stopping football happening, stopping many training sessions from even happening. However, a couple of teams in the North managed to get together and sort of an Invitational Cup, which was hosted by the, the Donaghy International Group, managed to take place. There was yep. yourselves, there was the, the Razorbacks, the Giants, and the, uh, the Donegal Derry Vipers. Now, I know the, the Vipers actually came out on top of that uh, tournament and sort of that little bit of a, a class above sort of even had or has been shown as they competed last year in Division One. So what was the experience of getting those extra few games of football and that extra competition for the team? How did that help improve sort of the team building and and what pathway did that lead for you going forward into into the last competitive season? For me personally, the the COVID break was actually a blessing because I uh, I tore my cruciate ligament in my knee at the very end of the the season before. So I kind of had about a, a 10, 11 month period where I couldn't do anything anyway. So that that little rest for me just was was the, exactly what I needed. A bit selfish, but it was great for me, that that rest period. And um, and I remember coming back for the Donachy uh, tournament and that was my kind of first games back with my knee strapped on and stuff. And for me then, it was a really good time just getting back into it. And obviously we all had missed a lot of football, so it was nice to be back on the field and we gave a good account of ourselves. We obviously got to the final and I think we were beat, was it 8-6 or something like that? Um, something pretty tight against uh, the Vipers, who are obviously a league above us. So that, that gave us a lot of confidence um, that we were a pretty good team and that we, as long as we could stick together and um, keep going the way we were going, we were going to be fierce in um, anybody in that Division 2. Yeah, no, like it did. I think it, um, it clearly did stand to us. You know, it managed to keep a lot of guys sort of playing football, kept them interested and involved. Those numbers sort of even transcended into the actual season that we had just passed. So we'll go in now to that season that happened. It was, a, it was a very tight, very competitive season. I know in the regular season, it looked like the Mavericks were going to sort of walk away with it with their seven wins, one loss. And then between yourselves and the Razorbacks, with only two points of uh, two scoring points kind of being the differentiating factor between yourselves and them and making it into the final. I believe that before, during the regular season, they beat you once and you had one win. Sort of, what was the, sort of the, the emotions in the team throughout the year? You know, the, the back and forth, the two losses to the Mavericks. Uh, the one loss to the Razorbacks and then sort of beating the Giants and sort of how how that all factored in together. Well, I mean, nobody likes losing for a start. So the the loss to the Razorbacks hurt a lot. The the losses to the Mavs, uh, we we kind of understood and we we actually in the end used it all to our advantage. Um because we, we didn't have our full squads. We had missing a lot of key players both times against the Mavs. So they beat us. Um, even though, to be fair, the Mavs had a very depleted squad. I mean, you're, you're the, the squad there, that how those guys um, went so far and were so dominant with the crowd that they had playing both sides of the ball. I mean, that, that was very impressive. But also I find it really disappointing that a team that was playing both sides of the ball uh, we're still able to beat us, so we 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 were got it at, at that at that aspect of it. But we did know that we didn't have a full squad, and we did know that if we did have a full squad, that we would have a much better chance. Um, and we just needed a little bit of luck as well. And and I think it all just came together in the Shamrock Bowl that we had the full squad, we executed well, we'd we'd learnt how the Mavs beat us before, so we made sure they weren't able to do that again. And yeah, it all worked out brilliantly, to be honest. It did, it did. Like he's had the, the shutout on defense, like not allowing any points, putting up twenty-two points against the, the Mavericks. He's were the second highest scoring team in in the division that year. But we'll focus in on the final. What sort of elements or aspects did you learn from sort of your previous two encounters with the Mavericks in and that the team could use sort of scheme, okay, on offense? this is what we have to do to exploit sort of weakness A, B and C that we've seen. And then likewise on defence, it's like, right, the Mavericks are, you know, they've got a quite a proficient run game. I think we had 
maybe was it three or four players with three plus rushing touchdowns throughout the season. How do you sort of plan against you know stopping that? And then even at that, you there they had a QB who could throw the ball, not sort of overcommitting yourselves to preventing the run at the cost of getting beaten by the passing game. Well, we'll start with the offense because we had the secret weapon, uh, Declan Curran, who the Mavs had never seen before, and we knew that he was going to be a massive problem, and that's why we gave him the ball from the snap, and he scored a touchdown with his with his first carry. And uh, I think I think that's the fourth time that he's done that. So I think he's done that end around. M- many teams listening, Giants, Razorbacks, um, other teams, they'll have seen that end around uh, before to their detriment because um, it's very, very, very hard to stop because of his speed. So we decided to use our kind of secret weapon that, that you hadn't uh, seen before. The Mavs had never seen that and um, it, it caught you out uh, from the snap and that just set us up really nicely. Uh, Defence-wise, we'd, we'd put in a lot of work. I think that was the most intense and together we were as a defensive squad was ahead of the bowl game. Uh, the two and three weeks running up to that, we were really focusing on the covering the outside the outside run, uh, making sure there was... Um, Making sure we were, we were sealing the edges and stuff, and just just doing the things that we didn't do in the the two games where we lost. Uh, I felt that the defense where we were so well drilled. I know certainly I was more drilled than and all the other guys, the linebackers and stuff. They were all very. Um, we were well focused and well drilled, and we had a a lot of nice training ahead of that. So we went into that game feeling really, really well prepared, and we knew with with Decky and the offense um, the. The fact that Deck is so fast and that uh, Scott's obviously a great quarterback, we can always rely on Scott to do things. And we've other players in the squad as well that can always step up. Um, so we were we were confident, and we, we were probably we were we were all laughing. I think we got a little bit even more confident by listening to this very podcast because everybody wrote us off. I think ex- except Joe, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I'm a beer. But everybody see that saw us as the underdogs, and we knew. We weren't the underdogs and um, that gave us a kind of quiet confidence going into it. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll show you. <laughs> and that kind of gave us a little bit of fire as well, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, there's been a few teams, um, I believe that even UCD said that listening to us and how we uh, would write them off but come the summertime uh, was taken as a, as a bit of motivation for them. So I am happy to have assisted in the uh, the Jets getting <laughs> getting that victory. It's all psychological affair, but uh, yeah, it put us in a good place. Um, showed us, it made us have the kind of take the point of view that people don't think that we can do this, and uh, we're going to show them that we can. And we all went out there and stepped up, and everybody was great. There's some so many great tackles in the backfield and stuff that day. I just, I just think everybody played a really good game, and the Mavericks in the end just didn't stand a chance because we were too good on the line. We were our, our linebackers were making great tackles, our offense were playing great, and it was. Declan was wearing the life out of the Mavs and yeah, it just all came together. It was great being on that sideline. What a day. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, you're talking there about your linebackers and the day they had. In the end of the day, uh, the MVP award was won by Ryan Beckett, uh, linebacker for the Jets. You know, Ryan himself was meant to be on this show. However, he is currently hunkered down somewhere in North Florida uh, avoiding a hurricane so we uh, send our thoughts and best wishes to him and hopefully that he makes it back safe and ready to play next season for the Jets you're talking out there about the sort of variety of players that you had and someone who this show has always been a fan of is your quarterback Scott McLean someone who has been you know termed maybe as a sort of an undersized quarterback in sort of the Kyler Murray build and sort of frame who also has an unbelievable motor on him. He's the kind of guy that once he gets outside the pocket, if you even if you have two hands on him, he is able to wriggle and slip on by. How does having that kind of quarterback who is a complete dual threat, he led the league in passing touchdowns this year. He has the ability to rush under pressure. From an offensive point of view, as a team who has many sort of you know run options, having a quarterback who can also run, it must have been quite um, enlightening for the coach and that you're not sort of a, a one-dimensional team. Look, it's brilliant to have Scott uh, as a quarterback because 
everybody loves playing with him because he brings so much fire to the game. He, like you say, he can, he can run, he can pass. Um, but one thing you didn't mention he can do, and he's unbelievable at this, is tackling. <laughs> so if if you ever get the wrong side, if he ever throws an interception, watch out because he is a he's an unbelievably good tackler. Um, he, he plays rugby, you know. He's he's one of these guys. He's you know he's athletic. He's good at football. He's good at lots of other sports. And um, yeah, he brings a lot to the team. He, he creates so much. And he, uh, I mean, I'm playing flag season with him at the minute. I'm the centre, and Scott's the quarterback. And um, you know, I'm 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 running routes, and he's he's finding me sometimes, and I, I like. Um, I like trading with him and stuff and uh, he's got a great arm and uh, he's really good at what he does so you know he's a real asset to the Jets and yeah we have to, we have him to thank for a lot of our success because a lot of the time he makes it happen like he he digs deep he, he'll get us that first down whenever you know it's third and long and you know nobody's open he'll he just do it himself and um, yeah sometimes he carries the team to be fair Sometimes that's what you need you know your quarterback he's, he's the number one player on the pitch he's a captain if you have that kind of guy that can lead, by example, who, you know, if he makes a mistake, he's going to hunt you down and make the tackle, can keep everyone, bring everyone along with him. Like it is, it is an absolute asset to have. Going forward with the Jets, so we've had this now since, so it's five years since the club's formation. You've now won Division Two title. Hopefully next year, the Division One will be kind of an expanded thing with the, the teams from Division 1 who didn't get promoted and the teams from Division 2 who managed to prove that their season-lasting viable clubs would be sort of amalgamated into one. There's going to be more teams to play against, you know, some new teams to play against, some old rivals. How do you think the Jets are going to manage and sort of square up and what would be sort of the, the realistic expectations that the club have going into the new year? Well, look, I, I, I don't know much about the other teams, to be honest. I, I would like to know all the different teams that are going to be in that league. Um, I'm still not 100% who it is, but that's not really for us to think about just yet. We'll know in due course, um, and obviously we'll we'll know who we're playing uh, when it comes to game days. But as far as stepping up a little bit, the only experience re- really we have is playing against the Vipers, um, who are you know a, a, a league above us and have been for a while. And since I've been at the Jets, in fact, my very first game for the Jets, it was a friendly and we, we beat the Vipers. Um, and then we played in the Donaghy Cup, obviously, a couple of times, and the games are tight. Um, and so we we know that we can com- uh, compete at that level and hopefully even, uh, you know, improve and maybe get some, hopefully got some new players coming up um, in the rookie rookie camp, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. Hopefully get some new blood in there and grow the squad. And, you know, we have to step up, but we, we're certainly not scared. Uh, we certainly know that we, we can compete at that level level and uh, yeah it'll be really interesting to see um, we just want to give a good account of ourselves and, and get some wins and try and do the business on the pitch all you can do is your best I feel like whenever whenever you, you give everything on the pitch even if you lose you know that there's nothing else that you could have done um, it's losing whenever you haven't tried your hardest is is, is the better thing because you're so angry with yourself and uh, the team sometimes just doesn't perform properly in a loss but I think we've got what it takes. I'm really looking forward to it. I know we've got some great players and um, hopefully some new talent coming in that's going to uh, beef us up a little bit. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. The upcoming rookie camps, um, when when, and where are they going to be held? So uh, it's at Antrim Forum where we do our training um, in the pitches. And it's on Sunday the 9th of October, 11am. So if you fancy joining the Jets, this is a bit of a recruitment call. Come down, hit us up on Facebook, Antrim Jets AFC. Um, it's as simple as that. Get in touch on Facebook. Just follow us on Facebook. You'll get all the info there. So you're talking there quite a bit now about sort of we've got the rookie camp coming up and sort of the future is looking bright for the Jets. The Jets now, they're covering three disciplines. You've got your senior kitted, you've got your youth kitted, and you've got your flag. So at the minute, you are heavily involved yourself in the, the flag side of things. Give us a bit of background into how that's yeah. going. Well, look, we had our first games there in Belfast on uh, Saturday uh, past, and we won both the games uh, against the Lions and the Elks. So, I mean, so far, so good. Um, we've got plenty more games, obviously. I think there's eight games in total you, you play in the season. Uh, so we've we've only went through one game day, but we're we're unbeaten so far. We feel like we've got a good team. We've got um, again a bit of a s- secret weapon, a guy who's not in the Kidet team, um, who is 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 killing it in our flag team. And 
Um, yeah, I, th- I think we're I think we're good. I think we're uh, we're th- we're there or thereabouts anyway. Hopefully, um, and in the flag season, I think we've got good players, and I think yeah, I think I think we can go far. But this is my first season. I've only played a couple of games, but I haven't lost one yet. So undefeated, cannot complain with that. And then with regards to your youth team, there is actually no Jets youth team anymore. There was um, before COVID, I think, uh, but I don't think the youth team has come back. Um, from COVID, so it's just the killer team and the flag team, now, which is which is sad. Which is sad because um, getting players when they're you know when they're young um, is is the best way of getting them to go far when they're older. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, we have seen sort of the the growth of some of the the clubs with youth teams, um, and hopefully, you know, more more clubs can get a youth team, which will definitely in, in future help with the the development of the teams and. So just even increase overall membership of the organisation. So Tony, I'm really pretty sure we've managed to get through with quite a lot there this evening. Um, really want to just thank you for your time and coming on to the Domestic Game Podcast. And uh, if there's any final words, I want to leave the mic with you. Yeah, well, here, Robbie, thanks uh, to you guys for doing such a great job uh, with the podcast. I enjoy listening to it, and uh, it was nice to be a part of the the Shamrock Bowl kind of audio. And uh, hopefully I can do that again. You want to set that up? I'll, I'll go there anytime. It's going to be in Belfast next year, maybe. So hook me up with a, with a little media pass or something and I'll go there with my mic again and uh, get you some good audio. Um, but no, as well, um, I just want to say yeah, thanks to the league for organising this whole thing as well. Um, I know there's a lot of work goes on behind the scenes, but um, I'm really just yeah, so happy that we can play American football in Ireland um, and have it so well organised and um, have so much fun doing it. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm I'm very happy about everything how 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 everything's ran and stuff, and um, hopefully we have a good season. If anybody wants to come join the Jets, hit us up on Facebook. We'll see you at Anton Forum. Fantastic stuff there from the Jets, and I'm sure that there's going to be an absolute surge in recruitment numbers after the previous campaign. And now swiftly moving on to the Division One bowl game. Like I said at the start of the show, we've got Bill Doherty and Andrew Paton. Guys, delighted to have you here on the show. If you just want to just give the listeners a quick introduction as to who you are. Yeah, it's Andrew Patan, uh, number 24 for the Westview Minotaurs, running back. And I'm Bill Doherty. I'm the head coach of the Westmeath Minotaurs and have been with the Minotaurs probably since 2017 in various roles. So going to you, Andrew, how did you actually get involved first with the Minotaurs? Yeah, so ironically, it was because, again, because of uh, guys asking asking around, getting involved. Um, it was the Corcoran brothers that actually brought me in, um, my best friend Niall, and his brother Adam Corcoran, who was one of the founding members of the club as well. And then you just go down to a couple of training sessions and it just sort of, you got bitten by the bug? Yeah, it was... I was I was quite young. I was, I was only 16 or 17 when I, I first went down to... What was the Harbour Field at that stage, down beside the Royal Canal in Mullingar. Um, I was half the size I was now. I was a slim little cornerback, uh, playing completely out of my depth, just been told, run after that lad and make sure he doesn't catch the ball. And uh, since then, I just got hooked into the sport. And then Bill, yourself, you know, the uh, the American accent, what, what brought you over anyway in the beginning to, to Westmeath? Um, in the beginning, um, we had just moved to Ireland and my, uh, two sons had played basically their freshman year of high school football. And, uh, unfortunately that, you know, for them, they got uprooted and then they came to Ireland and then we're looking, they were looking for, uh, I guess a football team to come and, and Westmeath Minotaurs had just started their youth program. So I'm not quite sure how my one son came across it, but he did. Uh, maybe it was Facebook, I guess. And um, and so he went to the to the. Tra- they both went to the training, and then I kind of got pulled in from there as a dad, to just kind of driving them to training and watching training and going to their games. And <clears throat> eventually, uh, I got got asked to coach and and started helping out. So yeah, that's how it started. My sons got involved, and I got involved brought in through the family so i'm gonna to have to start back we all know what a successful season you've had this year but i think 
a lot of people want to know about the the previous championship season, the one where you narrowly missed out on on winning the division. How, looking back on that, how did that affect your preparations going forward uh, for for the the previous season that we just had? I guess I'll answer. Um, Andrew can pile on. Is I think it was a great motivator. Uh, the fact that we had kind of lost that game you know by inches in a way uh we didn't we went for the uh the extra the two points and we didn't get in um but we did complete the pass and he you know jack lynch came down with the ball and he was just you know inches away from the goal line um actually hurt his knee on that play pretty badly and so we we walked away from that game uh without at least that i could tell from the team that there wasn't a lot of disappointment uh, we had left it all on the field. We felt we gave it our best. And uh, I didn't sense a, a, a giant, like, you know, letdown. I think it was more like, wow, we really did good this year. This is our first year that we we were a super solid team. And, okay, we didn't make it. We were inches away from the championship. So they were fired up to to get it started again and 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 work our way back to the championship. And And that was always, always in our mind that we are going back to the championship game and but this time we'll win it and then of course covid got in the way of all those plans and just like everybody else yeah i'll, I'll continue on from that bill like i know i'm no joe kinahan sympathizer but he does bring it up on a regular that we should have won that game that 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 two points should have been counted but uh um i think we knew in our mind that we deserve to be in the championship game uh, whether or not we should have won or not that should have been decided on the day it was decided on the day but we always knew in our minds we deserve to be in a championship game or at least in in the Shamrock Bowl because of our long legacy of how, how we've played American football how we've grown as a club in the Midlands that we don't have the likes of a, a university catchment pool or we, we don't have like a lot of a lot of infrastructure to bring people in. We have we have small towns that kind of culminate together to bring in a bring in a great bunch of lads, a great team, and a great kind of enthusiasm for for American football in Ireland. Um, and again, it's it's hard work put in by by every single man on, man on the panel that we feel as though we deserve to be uh, a championship team, like you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. As you said, Joe really does keep uh, banging the drum about the the uh, that final play and how how he doesn't believe it was short, and a lot of others don't believe it was short. But you know, the refs made their call on the day, and it's kind of just a decision that everyone had to live by. Bill, you're on there about COVID and sort of the the effect it had there for the past two years, where there was no kitted football action taking place. You ha- said how the the last final it was a great motivator nearly for last season, but how did you manage to keep those players that you had for that previous championship run, keep them motivated for two years, but not just keep them motivated, get them to return and to even build on the squad? Like I know we've seen a lot of teams around the league that after the the two year hiatus from football, that they struggled for numbers. There was a few teams didn't manage to make a return. You know, players are two years older. Not all of them were two years fitter. Those kind of struggles was sort of a was a big obstacle for many teams to overcome. But when we looked at the Minotaurs after every game day and the squad photos were being put up, you always seemed to be putting out sizable numbers. Yeah. Um so I'm not sure that it's anything that uh, I mean, the the club itself, the organization of the club did. I think like going back to 2019 in that game, I think that game and that season provided a lot of carryover motivation like that. The, it was just natural that they wanted to stick with it because it, it wasn't like we were coming off, a, you know, an 0 and 8, you know, regular season. And, and you know, everybody's, you know, really disappointed it, it wasn't like that. Everybody left on a on a high. Again, that game when when that game was over, I, d- I didn't see a lot of people, you know, distraught about the loss. I mean, it was sort of like, hey, we gave it our all. We deserve to be here. We put on a good show, and let's bring it back next year. 
So I think there was just a lot of natural motivation to to come back and to get the job done, and even though it was delayed for two years. We were lucky enough that, um, you know, we got a handle on some online stuff. We we did, we interviewed, at one point we interviewed every every player that wanted to be interviewed and gave them feedback, you know, in Zoom meetings like this. Um, we tried to engage with them as much as we could. Guys were doing um, sort of exercise uh, groups where they would, we would post, you know, your lifts. We had like a kind of a thing where we call it the 300 club, you know, do a, a hundred kilogram bench press, hundred kilogram uh, squat, hundred kilogram deadlift, you know, and, you know, just little, little exercise things like that. Just little, little bitty things along the way to just kind of keep guys involved. And then we were, we were able to do whenever we could do training, we did. And whenever we could put a couple games together, we did. And um, and I think I think we did over the four years. I think we got four games in somehow. Um, I know we played the Meath Bulldogs. We played the Crusaders. I think we played the Crusaders again. I, I forget a lot of this stuff now. It seems like it's ancient history. But we did get a couple games in, which kept them motivated to you know because we had something to to train towards. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think the guys are, are naturally ready to get back. And I think the club put in just enough effort to keep them involved, uh, to the best that we could. And, uh, and it paid off because most of the guys stuck with the team. It, I, I can only think of a few people that had, had walked away and they may have just walked away just because, you know, it was that time and had nothing to do with COVID. And Andrew, so as a player, you know, as Bill says, these are quite the, the competitive bunch. He's had the, the 300 club. Um, I'm sure you, you wouldn't mind sharing your stats in the in the bench, deadlift and squat with everyone. I um, I was always meant to take part in the, the bench. Um, I, I'm still yet to post my score for the bench, but uh, I, was, I was 300 without it. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough said, fair enough. Um, but yeah, anything else there that you'd like to add to Bill, you know, coming from his perspective there as a coach, from you yourself being in the huddle with the players, what was the kind of feeling among the, the group of lads in there? Yeah, I, I think the, the interview series that they did coming up to coming up to the championship game, the bowl game, uh, just this season, a lot of lads said the exact same thing. It's 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 not just a team. It's it's almost a brotherhood at this this stage. We have we've guys who would literally lay on a field and die for one another out there. Like it's not it's not a case of of just going out and and letting letting off a bit of steam. It's it's genuine passion for the game. It's passion for the sport. I would have been involved in in many teams through rugby or or American football for that, that instance throughout Minotaur's history. But the last couple of seasons, especially, we've just kind of gelled and there's true friendships that, that are formed through the sport and through through the Minotaur's organisation as well. Oh, that's It's a fantastic insight just to see sort of where things were before this season and just, you know, to give sort of an insight to, to how you as a club managed to overcome a lost championship, overcome a, a two-year hiatus from competitive kitted football to start off into the season and then make that that championship run so i think what we'll get down to what everyone really wants to listen to is now about that actual championship run so the first game of the season i believe you were meant to be playing against the the wexford eagles but then unfortunately the eagles the eagles went under over the last couple of years we've had some great matches with the eagles down down there on i think it was on mother's day 2018 is one that i can call back to um, we've always had tough fought battles with them. They used they used to be a great powerhouse team, strong up front, defensively they were solid. And it it's not it's not that it's a shame that they had to disband this year. They they had to forfeit the season, but we were looking really looking forward to them being our first opponents of the season. And it was just kind of a bit deflated that we had been training up into that point, and and we just didn't get to didn't get to start when we expected to start i suppose yeah i i do uh, we I, I echo um andrew's comments is that the eagles uh 
we really, really respect uh, Wex, Wexford Eagles. Um, they they were our, I wouldn't call them arch rivals, but like um, when we were playing against them, we took them very seriously, uh, and we we respected uh, their 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 ability. And they beat us a couple times. We beat them a couple times. Um, we also know that there are a lot of class guys that are down there. Um, and so we really enjoyed the games against them. And it was a huge disappointment to see them drop out. So we're, we really hope that they can make it back in because uh, they, they have a lot to contribute to the league. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a big disappointment not to have them. And then to lose really two games with them, um, you know, it put it put a big kind of pause on the season uh, because we had such uh, a, quite a few weeks in a row where we really uh, didn't have any any games out ahead. And I think having a game out ahead of you helps a lot with training and focus and all that. Like when you don't have a game for five weeks, you know, guys can kind of kind of drift off a little bit, you know, because there there isn't that um, sense of urgency because there's a game next week, you know, and so that that was that was tough to work through. It's got over that initial hurdle of of uh, the Eagles pulling out. <clears throat> Season got going. You got a few wins under your belts. Then there was the the unfortunate pull out of a second team being Trinity. Yeah. You know, as as Andrew said, the Minotaurs don't have the um, the university catchment zone for the recruiting however the the pulling you know a couple of guys from different small towns really seems to have done use uh, a lot better favors than some of these college teams who like come the summer months struggle to to retain their players who go off to the different parts of the island or back abroad how did losing so many games not through losses but actually through the the team sort of disbanding or forfeiting how did that affect the the players mentality of you know like bill was saying you're looking forward to your next game was there ever a sense where you were like this is difficult to to keep going when you don't know if your next game is actually going to happen it's 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 hard to kind of say that it's 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 a demotivator more so than it it's kind of a, a sickener in a way that you don't want it to be an asterisk on your season. You don't want it to be like, oh yeah, but they 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 had four games forfeited in their favor, or they they had three games forfeited in their favor, and they went on to win the league because they were so well rested. It's it's we feel like we're conditioned enough that we could have played a full eight game season. We could have beaten all, if not most, if not all of our opposition with the amount of preparation and stuff we put in for our games, and and it. it it is it is difficult to say that it didn't stunt us because I think a few few guys did kind of drop off. They they took a few breaks and they they got got a bit lazy. Myself included. I um I live up in Galway at the minute and I just didn't see the point in coming home when I didn't have a, a game to be prepping for. I'd still do my my own bits up here, but I I wouldn't be going regularly to training and stuff. And it was it was kind of disheartening from that point of view. It's like well, what are we training for? Two, two or three games and then the championship at the end kind of thing. But we still see ourselves as the best team in, in the division. And no matter if, if teams didn't forfeit or did forfeit, we don't see it really any other way. It's, it's just kind of a, a loss of enjoying the game throughout the season. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that. It was just it was just a loss of an, of, of enjoyment, really. You're right. It's uh, I mean, we're all here to play football. And, um, you know, we lost a lot of games so we lost a lot of, of of why we're doing this um and that's the biggest disappointment i think now the so we, like like andrew was saying when you don't have a game for so long you know you you kind of lose focus uh but the one thing that's i think sustained us in that way is that we kind of we knew that we had a shot at winning the championship sort of the main competition that was sort of stated for you before the season ha- was going to happen was a lot of people felt that it would be UL and yourselves would be the top two teams. And in the end, you and UL were the top two teams. So yeah, both the, you both came away with one victory each. And it was UL that got the, the second victory, the one closest to the final. What 
happened between sort of the first game against UL where he's won, the second one where he's lost, and then sort of the the preparation that was put in for the team for the players, the to get them back in shape and get them back focused for the final against them. Yeah, so I suppose I think Joe mentioned it on an earlier podcast. He might have said that we were missing a lot of bodies, myself included, for the second game. Again, we don't want to put that down as a mistake because we were, or a, an error because we were missing bodies on on the bowl game day as well. So um, I suppose it, w- it might have just been a bit of complacency. It might have just been a bit of like, sure, look, we're, we're number one seed irregardless of, of the outcome of that game. So uh, obviously UL are a great team and uh, were a great team this season and are a great team and an organization as well just shown from the streams as well it's not it's not just a, a team that th- that's there it's a it's a full function function organization and um especially for for a college team um but i suppose the first game it was one of our first games back after the after the forfeits i think everyone was just amped everyone was just pumped to get getting on the field and play it was a wet muggy mucky day Myself and Rafa carried the ball, I think, 25 times combined. Um, we threw one, or Joe threw one absolutely beautiful pass to Jack Lynch on the first play on our, uh, our, on our offensive drive, and uh, we scored off it. Like, if we should have, the scoreboard didn't really reflect how good of a team UL were then. And I think the next two games against them being that the regular season second game and the, the bowl game. I think both of them reflected it really well on how serious and how how competitive they were as a team this season. Um I think we draw a lot of similarities between each other. Their run game was excellent in the final. They had so much rotation within the three backs that they had. Um they had a serious amount of of firepower on the defence as well. Like we weren't I wasn't finding it easy running on the first or the last game we played against them. Um, I think that's what really stopped us in, in the second game against them as well, is we just found it so hard to, to score against their D. Um, and just up front, like they're, they're a solid football team that know, their, know the game, know, know how to play their game, know how to execute their game. And, and similar to us, we need to just like we kind of took a bit of inspiration after that second game just to kind of kick us into gear. Like, we're in, it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be simply just getting handed the ball. We're going to have to put in the work. We're going to have to step it up a gear. And, and that's what we showed against the, against the Crusaders in the in the playoff game. We we said, no holds bar. Get out there. Show show the league what we've got and why, why we're going to be the number one seed going into the, into the bowl game. Moving into the finals, the difficult day out started pretty early on for you. Losing quarterback Joe Kinahan, you know, losing your QB one for any team on any day is going to be difficult. But in a final, that could have such devastating impact. Talk us through just how, sort of, in the lead up to from the first quarter, sort of through that big incident in, I think it was quarter two. And sort of the, the changes that had to be sort of implemented then for the Minotaur to get the win. Yeah. Well, um, so a little stepping back, like our our second quarterback would have been um Rafael Montiero or Rafa as we call him. So but he came down with COVID. <laughs> so um so he he kind of let me know I, I'm probably about a day or two ahead of time that he he got COVID and he can't play in the game, which was terrible for him. Um, and he he's he teams up with Andrew as the you know the the combo running back. So I actually told Andrew about it and he was like, you know he he he's like well, just give me the ball more you know and I and I'll take care of it. Um, but going into the game, QB two was out with COVID and so. You know, Breno was always the emergent Breno, meaning Connor Brennan. We call him Breno. He was the emergency quarterback. Um, and we had we had seen Joe get hurt, you know, before he, he, he got he got dinged in, in the last time we, we played him, the Vikings. 
So it wasn't unknown that Joe could maybe come out of the game. Um, but, you know, we were hoping for the best. And lo and behold, he did. He twisted his ankle pretty badly, and uh, he was out in the first quarter. He was having a good game. Actually, I can remember one one play. We ran mesh, and he threw it to Dermot Caroon, and um, it worked perfectly. And we, we got down to, like, I don't know, the 10-yard line. So we were moving the ball with him. Um, but he went out, and, and you know, it's – it's always a shock to the system when your QB1 goes down. So uh, we put Dermot Caroon in as an as a kind of an interim quarterback because he had played quarterback for us before, but he hadn't trained as quarterback for, for years. And uh, Breno uh, started to get suited up because he's, he's my offensive coordinator. Um, but thankfully, he's always kept his quarterback skills up because he, he's, uh, he's our flag quarterback. So throwing the ball... And understanding the offense and all that was never really an issue. It was just, you know, you know, putting the helmet on and being in a kitted football game. You know, you hadn't done that in a while. So uh, he stepped in and, you know, we were all confident in his abilities. It was more or less how long is it going to take for him to settle in? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because it just had been a while for him and it was an emergency situation. And, um and he did. I mean, he's, I think I think we might have struggled for like Dermot, you know, kind of handed the ball off uh, and kept kept the kept the motor running a little bit on idle. I don't need, I don't know. I think we had to punt. And then uh, Breno, Breno was ready to go and he came in and then uh, he's he started firing on all cylinders. And um, Jack Lynch had a big part of that. And uh, we had implemented. We had implemented a sort of a new passing concept that started to work very well for us and um and so i think we hit that a couple times in a row to give some nice confidence building passes to Bruno and um and then he just took it from there and and what changed for me is that like my offensive coordinator was now on the field <laughs> you know and we and even though even though he knew the offense we tried to i we we kept it more simple um you know, kind of hand the ball off to Andrew, let him pound it. He was having a great day. Um, you know, he's Andrew's the kind of guy that the more you give him the ball, the better he gets. Do you know what I mean? He starts to get a feel for the the defense where the holes are opening up. You know, he kind of starts running over people, um, which is exactly what he did. And and so it took us a little bit to settle in, but by the time by the time the second half came around, like everything was settled in. And of course we didn't score like 30 points, but we kept it ticking over and, and that's, and, and that's all we needed for that game. Cause our defense is really what we were kind of leaning on uh, throughout most of the season. And, and, and they, they put together, they put together an outstanding performance again. Um, so we went, we, we won with defense and, uh Breno was able to keep keep it going uh at a at a level high enough that we got enough first downs we used the clock up we scored a couple times not a lot but scored enough that we were able to get it over the finish line so hats off to Breno and we're real hats off to everybody Bill really singing your praise there Andrew as, as a kind of player that you know the more you give him the ball the the better he gets you know as it's showed in the final coming away with the MVP award for you as a running back I know I've played myself a few years. Going from quarterback to quarterback, it can be it can take some time to adjust even to their ball placement to you when you're running and taking the ball from them. How quickly were you able to adjust between going from the likes of Joe, then to Dermot, and then to Connor Brennan? In nearly 95% of the reps in any training that I've been to, it would be Joe putting it where I want, where he knows where I want it and where it feels good to get it. When you have change in personnel, everything gets turned on its head. It's it, it's the nerves of the of a big game day. It's nerves of of how things should operate or how, how we've been doing it up to up to then. Brennan knows exactly where to place a ball, to hand off a ball. Dermot as well, he used to play running back as well. He knows exactly where to but it it it's not it's not just where it's the timing it's it's the it's the coordination between how they know where to go when to go and i think 
that took three or four plays to get it. I remember I caught two or three um like down in a pistol grip down by my my hip. Um, yeah, I had a heart attack watching it happen. <laughs> I had a but, heart attack. Uh, it was on the hip. Two two on the hip, and then I held on to it though, Bill. Yeah, um, you did. You did. <laughs> but uh, it's it's having confidence in the guys who who regularly play their positions, like the likes of Joe Coyne in left guard. It's it's Guno. It's it's all the boys, Colin, Liam, Doherty brothers in general. Knowing exactly how I like to run the ball, they know I like to run hard. I, they know I like to I like to put it down people's throats. I like to just keep battering away. I know I know my stamina lasts a lot longer than than guys who are just getting ran at by a 110 kilogram running back for the whole for the whole day. And so like yeah, I I did my job. I, I got MVP for doing my job, but it it's the the likes of the O line and it's like the likes of the defense that that kept us in that game. Like if if our defense didn't get the picks they got, if they didn't swat the balls they got, they they swatted down. If our O line didn't last the whole game like they did, um, I don't think there was a a hope in hell of us of us closing that game out as tight as it was. Like there was no no way that if every piece in the puzzle wasn't doing their part we were going to win that game and i'd say special teams had a big part of the part Definitely. of it too um so it was it one of those games sometimes goals. where some games you don't really notice special teams and so they don't get the credit that they deserve but uh you know on this one we ac- we actually kicked a game-winning field goal um and we also had sort of a squib kick uh that that uh, Jordan Lacey had the hustle to to get to to recover the ball as it was bouncing around, you know, weirdly uh, as a as a football can, and we got ourselves into great field position. And then uh, Nao King always consistently coming in with a great punting game to to kind of win the field position battle. Um, all all of the phases were needed to beat the Vikings because i don't know what you guys talked about while i was kind of trying to get back to you guys i got cut off is that the vikings are an exceptional team i could not believe from the first game to the championship game how much these guys had come on they're they are they're a dangerous team they're a dangerous team and i i would not want to have played them again you know if we had tied that would have been a tough game trying to you know if we had to decide that championship game two weeks later because they just consistently Every game got better and better and better and better. We had to bring our best game uh, to to win that game, and we needed all three phases. Uh, otherwise, we would wouldn't have come out with the win. No, like from someone who actually got to to watch the game, it was a great game, and you could see sort of the three different sides of the of the team and how important they they all were in sort of winning that championship. So the championships won. I'm sure you know. Hopefully, you have calmed down the celebrations at this stage. Mm. Looking forward now to, to next season already. Going up to play in the SBC or is it the Premier Division? I think it's now called. Sort of what what can everyone sort of expect from the Minotaurs? What are your sort of goals and what what do you foresee as being achievable uh, in the upcoming season? Yeah, I guess I'll start with this. Um from from us it's just growth you know like we want to just grow every year you know uh from the time the time that i came onto the team six years ago i guess uh and the team we we won the championship in our 10th anniversary it's just been continuous growth like from a bunch of young fellas that are trying to put together a american football team and organize that let alone play it I mean, just organizing it at their age and then and then actually figuring out how to play it and recruit all the players. I mean, it's just it's just been a steady, exceptional growth over those 10 years. Um, And so, you know, moving up to the premier division is just another stepping stone in the growth of the club. Uh, Do we expect to win a championship? You know, of course not. I mean, like we're going to be going up against the likes of UCD and the Dublin Rebels and all these great teams that have been uh, been up there with a lot of experience and a lot of Shamrock Bowl wins. But we do we do intend to um, show show the rest of the SB or sorry the Premier Division that we're, we're contenders. 
we don't want to end up, you know, one and done coming up and then getting sent back down. Um, so for us, really, generally, it's just growth. And, and and all of our guys are mature enough to to realize that, you know, we're stepping up a level in competition and uh, individual performance and, and, and the teams that we're going against that have been around in Ireland since, in some cases, since the 1980s, you know, you know, realistically, you know, that's, that's a big jump. Um, but like I, I told the team, you know, we've just, it's going to test our confidence. It's going to test, you know, a lot of things, but that's what was, that's what we've been doing for the last 10 years. Every year was a, a challenge. Every year was a test of our confidence and, and, and so, you know, we're conditioned to to be resilient at this point. Uh, and so we'll be resilient next year and we'll give it our best. And I, and uh, hopefully uh, I'm pretty sure, actually, that, you know, uh, we'll be present, pleasantly surprised about uh, how well we do. Uh, we just need all we need is commitment. And if we have the commitment, we'll we'll get the job done and, and we'll continue to grow. And then, Andrew, what? defense are you looking forward to most running through now in this uh this next season um well we had a we had a scrimmage against uh dublin rebels um where I actually I, I got slightly injured at a knee injury um with, without playing on with leg pads on so um i'm looking forward to seeing those guys again and i think we've always had a kind of a, a rivalry with the, the cork admirals as well we We've had a few clashes when they were back down in, in Division 1 as well, back in the day. All of the Minotaurs guys will like me here, here and saying that I'd love to love to stiff arm a few of their guys in the heads. So there you go, Cork Admirals and the Rebels, both been called out now for next season by the Minotaurs. Just going to pull back now there, Bill, to something that you said. So you were talking briefly about how you are sort of committed to growing the club again, keeping keeping what you're doing going forward. The Mullingar Minotaurs youth team that so many players seem to have come through. Uh, is there any sort of plans to, to get that back up and going as sort of continuing to act as a feeder for the senior kid team? Yes. Um, you know, that is something that uh, the club has, you know, I'll just say we've, we failed to, to bring a youth team uh, along in, in probably about three years. And so that that's a point of emphasis for our chairman, Ross McAdden. I think no matter what, Ross is going to make a youth team happen next year. Uh, and it's critical to the growth of the club. Um, I mean, it's the facts are the facts are there. Like all, all the guys that were on that youth team uh, that are that are still around and, and most of them still are, are significant, significant contributors to to the championship team that we just had last year um joe kinahan the quarterbacks won um uh rafa running back um safeties every uh positional group has youth team former youth team members in it so it's clear and i used to be the director of youth football and you can see um how youth teams inject clubs with a lot of uh, energy and enthusiasm and raw talent that that you can shape into something that'll become special in like two or three years so yeah there's every intent in the minotaurs to to restart that program uh and and it's and it's been a huge uh disappointment that we haven't been able to do it and it mainly comes down to um recruiting and the capacity of the club to to kind of put all this together with the amount of volunteers and you know that are needed and and the recruiting that has to be pre-planned months and months and months ahead of time we've kind of gotten caught up in the senior seasons and kind of lost uh the necessary focus during the season to get that stuff started so i i think ross is laser laser focused our chairman is laser focused on getting a youth team going next year excellent absolutely great um really guys I think that's we've managed to cover everything from from the mentors from the preseason to during the season, the championship final, and then going forward. Once again, really just want to thank you both for coming on on the show today. Um, 
Bill Doherty and Andrew Paton. Thank you very much, guys. All right. Cheers, thanks, Ravi. Very, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. And there we go. Another year's senior football kitted season overnight. I've been your host, Robbie Caldwell, on today's episode. Thanks for listening. Peace.